Welcome to an audio stream from San Marino Community Church, featuring our own pastoral staff and various guest speakers. Our text of scripture this morning comes from Luke, the 10th chapter. In this text, the movement that Jesus has begun is taking a grassroots effort. And 70 are sent out, two by two. I invite you to listen for God's word as it comes to us from the Gospel of Luke. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them on ahead of him in pairs to every town and place where he himself intended to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go on your way. See, I am sending you out like lambs into the midst of wolves. Carry no purse, no bag, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter first, say, Peace to this house. And if anyone is there who shares in peace, your peace will rest on that person. But if not, it will return to you. Remain in the same house, eating and drinking whatever they provide, for the laborer deserves to be paid. Do not move about from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and its people welcome you, eat what is set before you. Cure the sick who are there and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not welcome you, Go out into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet know this, the kingdom of God has come near. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you join me in prayer? So gracious and loving God, we come this morning at your invitation and we come to receive what you alone can give so quiet within us any voice but your own that we might hear your word for we pray for this in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior Amen now it's been said that there are really two great moments in life the day you're born and the day you discover the reason why. And people throughout the ages have discovered some holy purpose for their life through their faith in Jesus Christ. That's what those first disciples experienced. That's what those 70 who were sent out two by two as an advanced team to prepare the way of the Lord discovered. Those first ministers, if you will, those first emissaries or ambassadors of Jesus, none of them were professionals. They were fishermen. They were IRS agents. They were artisans and homemakers. And they came from every walk of life. The joy of discovering a holy purpose for your life is for everyone. 
Last week, we installed Reverend Jessica Vaughn Lower in her new ministry here in the San Marino Community Church. But this week, our text of Scripture leads us in another direction, a commissioning, if you will, of all of us, sending all of us to engage in that same ministry. You know, today it's common to talk about the need for good leaders, and with an election on the horizon, yesterday's papers were filled with discussion about what makes a good leader. There can be no doubt that good leaders make a world of difference. But this morning I want to explore the converse idea that it depends at least as much, if not more, on whether followers, the faithful, the people in the trenches and the people in the pews, what they're willing to do, how they think, how they see their own lives, and how they hope for a future. The entire biblical story is a story of rescue and recovery. The whole creation gets off to a great start. And it says in Genesis, it was good. But it gets off the track pretty quickly in the first couple of chapters. And it leads to death, it leads to a murder, it leads to a twisted, defaced, and broken reality. You only need to read the newspaper to see that that's our reality too. So God begins a rescue operation. Long ago, in Genesis 12, in the calling of Abraham and Sarah to leave the life that they knew and enter into a covenant with God. They and their descendants, the chosen people, would be a blessing to the world. Blessed by God to be a blessing to the world. And all 70 of the nations would find new blessings through the people of the covenant. However, that rescue operation itself went sideways. Listen to the words of N.T. Wright. Right from the beginning, we run into the problem that will haunt the narrative throughout. What happens when the lifeboat, which sets off to rescue the wrecked ship, is itself trapped between the rocks and the waves, itself in need of rescue? What happens when the people through whom God wants to mount his rescue operation, the people through whom he intends to set the world to rights, themselves need rescuing, themselves need putting to rights? What happens when Israel becomes part of the problem, not just the bearer of the solution? End quote. So what happens when the rescue operation goes astray? God then mounts another one, a deeper one, a deeper rescue operation to recover the effort and continue the goal setting of the world to rights. God does this through the chosen people again and the gift of an only begotten son rescuing individuals and then sending them out to be a blessing to others. The 70 were sent, two by two as an advanced team, 
And the number of 70 is not an arbitrary number. It's a way of saying that God's intention in Christ is to restore and rescue the entire world and put it right. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus sends out the 12 disciples to the 12 tribes of Israel. But now the sending of the 70 is to the nations. Luke's the only gospel to tell this story. Luke has a passion for the universality of the gospel. And he has a passion for the fact that you and I have a role to play in that rescue operation, just as the 70 did. We're part of the operation. We don't get to sit back and just listen to this narrative this storyline and hope it turns out okay in the end. You and I are called and sent for the sake of that future that is yet to come. You know, I read about the 150th anniversary of the Battle of Gettysburg recently. There's a new history, relatively new history, that's been written. Gettysburg, the last invasion. And the focus is upon the psychology of the fighters, the foot soldiers, during the battle. Uh, Civil War historian James McPherson also, as a historian, looked at the private letters of the Civil War soldiers sent to their loved ones to determine what they were thinking, how they conceived and framed what they were doing. David Brooks wrote about this in the New York Times a few years ago. And he wrote, compared even to soldiers during World War II, the earlier Americans were motivated by the sense that they were living up to some high moral ideal. Words like gallant and valor and chivalry dot their description of each other's behavior. Brooks concluded the article, these letter writers, many of them men at Gettysburg, were not just different than most of us today because their language was more high-flown and earnest. There was probably also a greater covenantal consciousness, a belief that they were born in a state of indebtedness to an ongoing project. They would inevitably be called upon to pay these debts to come square with the country even at the cost of their lives, end quote. It seems to me as we're preparing for another election day and the celebration of Veterans Day next week, it may be worth remembering that at critical times in our national history, it was when common people believed with a sense believed and lived with a sense that they were part of something important. Something remarkable. That they were the ones who had to live up to some moral ideal. That's when the scales were tipped and history began to move towards a better future. It's not only leaders that need to embody our ideals. Each one of us has to embody those ideals or it becomes meaningless and the rescue operation stalls altogether. 
It's not simply what sacrifices leaders are prepared to make. The tipping point comes when those in the trenches and those in the pews are willing to face the wolves themselves. So Jesus sends them out like lambs among the wolves. There's no mention of visa cards that they can expense their respective missionary excursions. There's no mention of a travel allowance or mileage reimbursement. Jesus shows some organizational ability by appointing a crowd of traveling evangelists and commissions them to go out, but he doesn't create a bureaucracy. You know, bureaucracy is the art of making the possible impossible. They have painfully simple instructions. Go out and be yourselves. They're to let God happen through them to others. The power of God comes from God through human beings. The power of God is not just some amorphous, timeless reality according to Jesus. It's a spiritual reality communicable through people. People committed to Jesus Christ. When people meet up with a bearer of the power of Christ, that power gets communicated. Now it's true, God rescues people. We don't. But we still need to show up. And when we do, there's a profound blessing for both us and others. You see, this sense of covenantal consciousness began for the followers of Christ long ago. They came to believe that they were part of this ongoing project that belonged to God. They understood that their lives were called to a higher purpose that they were living for a great transformation of human life and in fact a transformation of all life that God intends and the church is the custodian of that vision that belief that higher purpose that ongoing project that belongs to Christ the power in the first century as in our time is not in those who are sent but in the one in whose name we are sent. They were not called to be successful, just faithful. Nowhere does Jesus tell them to worry about the results of their efforts. He tells them flat out that some are going to reject them. The success rate in working in this rescue operation that belongs to God doesn't even approach 100%. Never has, it never will. But you see, there are two great moments in life. The moment you're born and the moment you discover the reason why. And people throughout the ages have discovered a holy purpose in their life, in their faith in Jesus Christ. We may expect our leaders to embody the values 
And we become disappointed when they don't. But are we as disappointed in ourselves when we don't measure up to those ideals? You see, we've been called. Called to come to Christ. Called to be sent into the world as part of this rescue operation to set the world right. Let God happen through you to others. The power of God is not just this amorphous, timeless reality. It's a spiritual reality that's communicable through people like you and me. People committed to Jesus Christ. And when people meet up with the bearer of the power of Christ, that power gets communicated. God rescues people. We just need to show up. And when we do, there's a profound blessing. We become blessed in order to be a blessing to others. Thanks be to God. Amen.